thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. Amen. Amen. The Daylight Savings Time crew. Look at you guys, the hardcore. I love it. Well, congratulations, you made it to church. Way to go. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning. And uh, open up to the book of Ephesians. And uh, if, like we said earlier, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat that you can use, you can keep, you can take home, you can give away. We, uh, we want to be people who read our Bibles. So we've got one for you. And uh, i got to adjust this a little bit. Perfect. Now God's ready to speak. <laughs> take out something to take notes with. Um, I'm sorry, is this really loud? I, I wasn't gone last week, so my ears are... Okay, all right. It's not a comment on you, Chris. You're amazing. Okay. <laughs> you want to fight, Zach? <laughs> all right. Uh, was anybody here last week when Karis preached? It was amazing. I got to I watched the message. It was so good. Now she's leading worship. What don't you do, Karis Freegi? Amazing. Uh, it was such a great, uh, great week for you guys to be together here. Heather and I weren't able to be here last week. We were. Uh, we spent our week with Antioch College Station and Antioch Waco, and had a great week uh, being a part of what God's doing at Waco and College Station. I just wish we had time to tell stories of what God did, but just really, I mean, what God's doing in people's, in the staff, people's lives, what he did on Sunday, we got to preach Monday and Wednesday, all kinds of incredible things, and people just meeting the power of God everywhere, so encouraging, and I want you to know that when we were on our way back, Heather and I, uh, we just were looking at each other, and we just had such full hearts uh, being a part of what we were able to be a part of this last week, but we just looked at each other, and we're like, you know, there is no place we would rather be than Indianapolis running with this people, running with this church, this is our favorite church in the whole entire world. There's nobody else we'd rather be running with. We would not want to be anywhere else being a part of what God is doing. How many of you know God is moving here? And it is fun to be in this together. So we, we love this. We love doing this with you. And uh, this is fun. This is so fun. Uh, like I said, last week, uh, Karis preached. And uh, she said she was preaching the last message in our series, The Gloves Are Off. And she genuinely thought that that was the case. But this week, we're actually preaching the last week of the gloves are off. All week, as I was praying for us and our time together, I just couldn't shake the sense that we've got one more left. Uh, so I'm pretty sure next week we're doing something different. But uh, this week, we're going to continue the series, the gloves are off. Has it been a good series for the first quarter or so of 2020? I almost said 2018. How weird is that? My dad, uh, if you've been with us so far this, this year, my dad preached a message as a part of this series a handful of weeks ago called The, the Gloves Are Off My Church. Uh, was, if, do you remember that? I know it was like six weeks ago, but man, it was so good, so uh, just helpful in so many different ways. And this morning to wrap up our series, I want to preach part two of The Gloves Are Off My Church. So that's our title for this morning, The Gloves Are Off My Church, part two. Did part two make it on? Ooh, it did. Nice. Part two made it onto the graphic. It's so official. Part two. Uh, we're going to read some verses in the book of Ephesians in chapter four. And we have so much to cover this morning. I don't know how we're going to get through it, but we're going to do it. A more sensible person would just do less, but that's not my style, as you have come to know. So, you know, I, like I always tell our staff, if, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So let's just go for it. 
So the book of Ephesians was written by a man named Paul, for those of you who don't know much about the book of Ephesians. And Paul was a guy who was instrumental in catalyzing most of the early church. Right when people started following Jesus and gathering to do it together, he was catalytic in starting the early church all around the world. And as he was doing that, he would write letters to different churches that he had started or the leadership of different churches that were around the world because they didn't have FaceTime and all that kind of good stuff. So they wrote it down, instructions on how to be people who follow Jesus and how to do it together. So he would write them to help them navigate the challenges of doing church like part one talked about the na- the challenges of navigating how we do church because church is made up of people and how many of you know the person next to you is complicated you're not complicated but the person next to you is complicated right and those letters that Paul wrote were we believe that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and now they have made up what is much of the New Testament that we have as the word of God because God knew that the church wasn't just complicated at the beginning the church would be complicated even today and he wanted to speak to us to help us navigate that so that we can be the people of God and be who God has called us to be is that are you tracking with me so the book of Ephesians was written to a church in in a city called Ephesus and it was written to a great church the church at Ephesus was awesome. It had been around for a little while. It was one of the early, early churches. Paul himself had spent over three years there, himself teaching, preaching, raising up leaders, developing people, teaching them the scriptures and teaching them how to follow God. His spiritual son, Timothy, would end up leading this church for a while. So this was a, this was a powerhouse church. It was a good church. And the letter of Ephesians, when you read through this letter, it's, it's not like some of the other letters to some of the other early churches. The book of Ephesians was not written as a letter to teach them something specific. It doesn't necessarily have some main revelation that is trying to unpack for the people. It's not, it's not a letter of rebuke or correction because, you know, when you read some of the New, the, some of the New Testament, you realize some of these churches were messed up because sometimes people are messed up. <laughs> So this letter wasn't a rebuke or correction like, like, like many of the other letters were to New Testament churches. The letter of Ephesians is largely simply a reminder. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of what church is all about. That's why the book of Ephesians was written. And I'm going to read verses uh, 11 through 17 of chapter 4, talking about church this morning. You guys ready for the Bible? Awesome. It says this in Ephesians 4, 11, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why did he give people to the church? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? It is to build up the body of Christ. You know, we are, a, we are the body of Jesus on earth. This isn't an event. All right, we're, not, we're not ready for that on Daylight Savings Times. We're to build up the body of Christ until we all, is anybody included in all this morning? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we'd be built up to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's got big plans for the church, amen? So that we, you and me, may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, excuse me, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, you and me, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, to grow up every way into him, into Christ. 
for whom, okay, so it's, this is for Jesus. So we're growing up into Jesus, for whom the whole body, that's you and me, right? The whole body, you and me, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, that's you and me. We're held together, we're the joints, we're the this and the that of the body. When each part, that's you and me, is working properly, that's you and me, makes the body, that's you and me, grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what church is all about. Wow. That's a way bigger deal than me showing up just here on Sunday morning. Amen. As I've been praying for you this morning, praying for us this week and preparing for our time together, I just, like I said, I couldn't shake this strong sense that the Lord wanted to adjust the plans of our preaching schedule and all of that to throw one more message into this series, not as a teaching necessarily to teach something new, not as a rebuke or a correction to adjust anything that might be wrong, but as an encouragement and a reminder to us, to you and me, to Antioch Indy. Who is Antioch Indy? What, are, what is Antioch Indy all about? Where are we going? What is this all about? We just need a reminder this morning. Because when I think about our church, I think about the church at Ephesus. We have a great church. Do you like the people sitting next to you? I mean, God is moving every single week. There are amazing stories of what God's doing in people's lives, miracles, encounters with Jesus and, and of people in our midst. And like I said, I mean, if you just look around, like there's so many incredible people in this room. Like you're amazing, good looking, strong, super spiritual and stuff. No, but seriously, I mean, this is a great room full of people. The people in your life group are incredible. There's so many awesome people and things... <laughs> Give it up for Jack Frisbee. Jack's amazing. Things are going great around here. I mean, we have, like, we have a church, you know, like we've got a staff, we've got a building, we've got like two services, we've got more leaders around here in our church than we had people in our church for like the first two and a half years. So if you've been with us since the beginning or if you started coming to Antioch in kind of our first couple of years, then right about now at this stage of our church, you're looking around and probably have a little bit of surprise and you're thinking, wow, we've actually got like a real church. We celebrated our third birthday as a church this last September and uh, I shared something uh, at, that, at our kind of birthday party service worship night thing celebration I shared something that night that I want to share again this morning, and I want to share it again for two reasons. Number one, we all forget things and we need to be reminded. And number two, this might come as a surprise to you, but about one out of three people in our church are new at our church since September. So if you feel new around here, everybody's new. It's all good. Welcome to the club. Just jump on in and we're going. So most of our church has never even heard some of this stuff before. That's why I want to share it again. I want to share with you this morning that, like I shared that night, we didn't come, we didn't start Antioch Indy, we didn't come here, we didn't come here just to start a church. We came here to start a movement. That's what this is all about. If, if, we, if we did just do this to start a nice church, then right about now we could all just kind of settle in to the nice church that we've got and we could just sort of ride the wave and sort of make incremental improvements as we go and give each other high fives as we do it. But we didn't do that. We, we came here to start a movement. And since we came here to start a movement, we haven't even barely just but gotten started. See, we've decided early on that no matter what happened, we were going to take the first 10 years to have a planting mindset of this church. So it took us about three years to plant a local church. And now so that gives us the next seven years to focus on a movement that touches this city and the nations of the earth. Welcome to church. That's why we're here. Amen. 
And just like in Ephesians, just like the book of Ephesians was a reminder to the church at Ephesus about what all of this is all about, I want to share a reminder this morning about what this is all about and what it looks like for each one of us to play our part. Because that's what this is about, each one of us playing our part. This isn't about me and having a stage to preach on. This is about us following Jesus. So I just want to remind us this morning. You down for a reminder? See, I know at least one third of you have never even heard this stuff before, so I'm good there. But the other two thirds, let's jump on in. Amen? I want to review why do we exist? Why do we exist? You, you saw it on the wall. We talk about it as much as we can around here, but we exist. Our vision as a church is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. I remember when God spoke that to us, he put something in my heart that I realized was so much bigger than starting a nice Sunday event that, other, that we could gather at and be at together. We want to preach the gospel. We want to be a people who exist to proclaim the good news of the rule and reign of Jesus in every single area of our lives. And we want to do it with a heart to make others great. We want to be a people who are secure in the good news of Jesus. And we understand that through the grace of God, he has given us an identity that is greater than anything we could accomplish for ourselves. Jesus has given us an identity that is greater than anything we could accomplish for ourselves by leveraging other people. And because we are who God says that we are, we are totally free to pour out our lives so that everybody else around us becomes everything that God has called them to be. We want to proclaim the good news of Jesus. We want to do it with a heart to make others great because we just believe God might be able to do just about anything with a people like that. That is why we exist when you, uh, if, if you ever go start a church someday, people start asking you questions like, who's your target audience? Who's your target audience? And that question used to get me so annoyed because I'm like, isn't it everybody? I don't know. <laughs> like, ah. I mean, I get it. Like, I get that question. Um, it's a good question, but it also is kind of annoying. And uh, I want to be clear about who our target audience is. I'm going to tell you straight up who our target audience is. Our target audience is Jesus. Our target audience is Jesus. Like I said, the book of Ephesians is a reminder of what church is all about. And as we read through those verses this morning, the, the reminder is so clear. Church is not about church. Church is not about life. Church is not about you. Church is not about me. Church is about Jesus. We are a Jesus first people because we believe that it is easy. We can slide. If we become all about people, it can be easy to not be about Jesus. But if we are all about Jesus, we can't not be all about people. What is our demographic? People ask me that now that we have a church. What's the demographic? Who makes up our church? What ages? What color of skins? And all these kinds of different demographics. All these official questions we ask people, right, in church and stuff. I remember asking God, Lord, what's the demographic of people we, we are called to be? Who are we called to be as a church? And our demographic, the people who make up our church, this just kind of is what it is. Our demographic is passionate people who want more of God. There's no age limit on that. There's no ethnicity constraint on that. We are a passionate people who want more of God. This is just kind of who we are. If you've come to our church, you probably realize that. That's not news. That's not really a goal. It's just more of it is what it is. It's just kind of who we are. And, and see, the truth is that if, you're, if you aren't passionate and if you don't want to be passionate, you are 100% welcome at this church. You just probably won't like it all that much because we're like kind of loud and move around a lot. Like, so you're welcome here, but it may not be your favorite place in the world. 
And if, if you don't know God, if you don't want more of God, that's okay. You don't have to want more of God to come here. But if you are a passionate person or if you want to be a passionate person, I just fully believe with everything in my heart that you're going to taste at some point the goodness of God. And you're going to realize that there is no fire like the fire of the presence of God. Nothing puts a passion in your life like the love of God. So if you're passionate and you don't want more of God, it's just a matter of time as far as I'm concerned. Anybody else believe that? Our vision, our target, our demographic, these things are important. We have to keep these things in front of us. We have to be reminded of why we exist because I am not naturally bent towards preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making others great. I'm naturally bent towards doing my thing and being decently okay, but not too okay because I don't want to say it out loud at leveraging other people to make myself feel good. (laughs) Don't judge me like that. Like you don't. We gotta be reminded of a vision that we're living for. We have to be reminded of who we're called to be. We have to be reminded of what this is all about because it's so easy to make church about me. It's so easy to make church about my preferences. It's so easy to make church about me. So let's stay focused. Now, our, our, our vision, our, our demographic, our target, that's important, and I want to remind us all of that, but what I want to focus the bulk of our time on this morning is, um, is our values, our values, because our values are basically the, the vehicles through which we live out this vision. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we can cast a great vision, but how do we actually live it out? We have to have core values of who we are as a people that are going to help be the vehicles by which we pursue the vision we're called to. So we're going to go through these. You've heard these before if you've been around, but this is just, again, it's a reminder. And uh, on the screen, there's going to, I'm going to, going to put them up there so you can write them down. And there's going to be a phone number there. So I want you to have your phone out because we have been working really hard trying to develop some helpful things to help you take any next steps you want to take in any of these. So it's going to be the same phone number. You know how we do that text to act phone number thing? It's going to be that number, and we're going to have great resources for you as we go. If we're talking about one of these things and you're like, you know what, I want help in my next step on that thing. You can just text that number, and we'll help you get down the road. Does that sound good? Our first core value is personal devotion to Jesus. Personal devotion to Jesus. This is a core value of who we are as a church. We believe that to be the church, to live as the people of God, we have to be a community. Yeah, that's what we're going for. Can I get distracted in church sometimes? Is that okay? If we're going to be the people of God, we have to personally, individually, and be a community who spends, spends our personal time with Jesus. Like, and we have to do it regularly. Like, we got to do that daily if we're going to be the people of God. And this should not be a surprise or some big legalistic thing, considering that our entire worldview is wrapped up in the fact that there is a God who created us for relationship with Him. We sinned and broke that relationship, so He took on human flesh and bone to die the death that we owed to sin, to raise from the grave, to give us new life, and fill us with His very Spirit so that we could have intimate relationship with Him. That's our worldview, right? So it should not be a surprise to say we should spend time in relationship with this God. (laughs) The problem is, is that if you take a survey of a lot of Jesus followers, an honest audit of our regular rhythms in life, we will find that it is rare to find individuals and even to find a people who regularly spend time with Jesus. There's a lot of reasons for that. We can feel like we're not ready to do it. We can feel like we're not qualified to do it. Sometimes you're like, even if I did wake up on time, what do I do with this? I'm the only one? 
You know, what, what do I do even though if I do wake up early? So we're taking some steps to try to help you with this. If you don't know yet, to help us be a people who have personal devotion to Jesus, we uh, have started at the beginning of this year. We are putting out a five-minute podcast every morning. I think it publishes at like 5 a.m., a five-minute podcast called Spending Time with Jesus. And it is to help you unpack some of what we're talking about on Sundays, but it's to give practical helps to say, here's what you can do today to spend time with Jesus. You might listen to it while you make your coffee, listen to it while you're in the car. Uh, it's not like the whole thing. It's not the secret sauce that like nobody's ever thought of before. It's just supposed to be a catalyst to help steer you in your life, steer you in your day, to help you connect with Jesus in the morning and walk with him throughout the day. And if you want the link to that, just text that number and we'll give you the link to it. I think we can only fit the Spotify link in it, but it's on iTunes as well. And you can subscribe to that. Just, and we've been getting really good feedback on it over the last couple of months. It's not like perfect. And so if you have feedback on how to make it better, please give it to us. Uh, but we just want to do something that helps, helps, uh, helps you connect with God and live out this lifestyle of personal devotion to Jesus. So that's on a personal front. And I want to also say this on a church front, that uh, just so we all know on a church level, it is normal for people to come to our church who don't know Jesus. And that's great. And there's, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you're like, it's not weird for you to be here. And it's also really not weird for people who don't know Jesus to give their lives to Jesus. It's actually super, super normal because like, that happened for you, Right. So, so that's a normal thing at our church. And I just feel like sometimes us Christians can make things weird that don't have to be weird. Like, oh, I don't know if, the, I, don't know if I can bring my friends who don't know Jesus. Yes, that's the whole point, <laughs> actually, um, is that we, we actually want to know Jesus. If you have friends who don't know Jesus, bring them to something that we do together. If you're here and you don't follow Jesus, we're so glad you're here and you're totally welcome here. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, or if your friends aren't followers of Jesus, it is extremely normal for them to come and gather with believers and experience the presence of God and realize, I really want this. It is super normal, and it has become normal for us. I'm so encouraged. It has become normal for us to see people decide to follow Jesus. This has begun happening every single time that we get together. So far, over, the, over this year, every single week, somebody gives their lives to Jesus on Sunday mornings. It happened, it happened at the worship night this last night. Every month when we gather together to worship, people are giving their lives to Jesus. We started our remnant nights for young adults. Both of those nights, people have given their lives to Jesus. People are giving their lives to Jesus in life group. People are giving their lives to Jesus in your workplaces and in your friends group. This is normal, and we are praying for it to happen more and more and more and more and more and more and more. So that's what we're going for, helping people connect connect and have a personal relationship with Jesus and then connect to Jesus following community. Amen. We are people who have a core value of personal devotion to Jesus. Our second core value is to make disciples, make disciples. Many of us oftentimes feel like that we can't make disciples because we don't know how. We don't know how, and it sounds hard. It sounds scary. It sounds like I should be an expert in something, you know, like, People who make disciples really have their life together, and I don't know what the line is for having your life together enough to make disciples, but it's not me. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's more together than I have it, right? Usually when we think about making disciples, the things that hang us up are the how do you do it questions. It's the how questions. Okay, how do I make disciples? When do I make disciples? Does that mean I have to, like, what's the form? What's the curriculum? How? 
How do I do this? And those are really good questions, but I believe that the first question that has to be settled in every one of us is not an answer to all of the how questions. It's a simple answer to the why question. Why do you do it? Why do you make disciples? See, if, if we can't settle the why question, there's no amount of hows that are going to make us feel ready to do it anyways. The why question is simply this. Do you really believe that God wants to use you to help people in your life know him? Do you believe that? If you believe that, we can figure out all the hows. Because it's all unique and your life is unique and people are unique and we can figure out all those hows. But if we don't start with believing that God wants to use me, God wants to use me to help the people in my life follow him. If we don't start with that why, there's no amount of hows that are going to make me feel like I'm ready to do this. So I want to invite you into that question. If, that answer, if your answer to that question is no this morning, that's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. Lord, why don't I believe that you want to use me? Would you help me believe that? And if you do believe that this morning and you're saying, you know what, I, I'm crazy enough to believe that God does want to use me, that God, does, that God does want to use me to help the people in my life know him, then we've got some resources to really help you do that. We've got resources and all kinds of things to help you have that conversation with God, help you have that conversation with people in your life so that you can step into the amazing opportunity of helping other people walk with Jesus. And if your experience will be anything like mine. There is nothing that has helped me learn how to follow Jesus more, like taking the risk by trying to help others. The temptation is always, no, I need to learn more first. I need to get more first. I need to get more straightened out first. I need to get more smarter first. I need to get all of these things first. But it is actually in the pouring out where I have found the most growth in my own life. So I want you to text, make disciples of that phone number if you want help in taking steps in that. And Little plug here, over the next 30 days, you're going to start hearing more and more information about our next year of the Antioch Discipleship School, starting in next August. The first year is finishing up, and we're doing it again this next year. And if you want to take your steps in being a disciple of Jesus and helping others be disciples of Jesus, I strongly encourage you to keep your ears open. We don't have time to go into all the details, but you'll get it over these next 30 days or so. Amen? Our third core value as a people is life group. Life group. When we talk about life groups, we always talk about uh, this group of verses in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And um, we talk about that not because Acts 2, 42 through 47 is like a model for ministry. It, it's not like a sociological theory about how people connect with one another. It's not like a growth strategy for church involvement. It's just a story. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is a story of what happened after Jesus lived, died, resurrected, and ascended, what happened when people started to figure out how to follow him? It's just a story. Are you tracking with me? It's not, like, it's, it's, it's not about church. It's just this is about how we follow Jesus. And it serves as an outline that God has given us in his word for us as his people on what it looks like to follow Jesus together. And around here, we just call it life group. We call it life group. Now, some of you have, are jumped into life group. Some of you haven't checked out a life group. And I want to give you uh, just a little bit of clarity to, so that we can set our expectations. Do you know expectations are very important? Do you know that something can be great, but if you expect it to be something different, you miss out on how great it was? Because it wasn't what you thought it was, but it was what it was supposed to be. There is a difference between what life group is and life group night is. And some of you are going to be like, why are we talking about this? Just... Tone, zone out for a second. There's some of you that really need this. 
There's a difference between what life group is and what life group night is. Okay, track with me here. So life group. Life group is a community of people who are committed to living out Acts 2, 42 through 47. Okay? Just in general. You tracking? Getting some nods. Okay. That's what life group is. Life group night is those people regularly getting together for friendship, Bible discussion, worship, and prayer. Why does it matter that we make the distinction there? Let's say life group happens Tuesday at 6.30, okay? I have been in life group most weeks of my life in somebody's house for the last 10 years, and I have yet to see all of Acts 2, 42 through 47 happen on a Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8. But I have seen every single bit of Acts 2, 42 through 47 happen over time as I've committed to a community of people. Because when you commit to getting together regularly, it may not all happen this Tuesday night, but over the next three months, over the next 12 months, over the next three years, you will cultivate relationships where you see every bit of the Bible come alive. And if we can set our expectations straight, I think it'll help us navigate some of the complexities of doing life together and give us a long-term vision for what God is doing in and through the people in our lives. I want to share with you this morning a, a current daily prayer that I'm praying and, and something that we are believing for as a church. We have, I think, about 18 life groups right now. Our current prayer is that our next step would be 100 life group communities around our city. That's what we're believing for. And so if you are not in a life group or if you want to help lead a life group, not even today, but at some point, if you, we, have a, we have a process to help train and equip you to do that because we are just weird enough to believe that people really want Jesus, that they're not made to do it alone, and that if we can do this together, we can see the Bible come alive. So text life group. If you want to take a first step in getting connected to a life group, or if you're like, you know what, I want to help, I want to help drive this thing forward and lead something. I'm not ready. I'll, I can be trained and equipped. Go ahead and sign up when we want to take you through a process to help you do that. Number four, four out of five. Our fourth core value is corporate gatherings. So things like this, our Sunday mornings, our worship nights. We have a value of being together in, in, in a larger setting as a family because there is something unique about connecting with God personally in your own time with God. There is something unique about connecting with God in a house with your friends. And there is something unique that happens when we all get together on a Sunday morning or in, in a worship night. This, this on Sunday morning isn't the pinnacle of church. It's not all of church, but it is an important part of church, just like these other things. This might sound funny, but just to make sure that we're all on the same page as a leadership team, as a staff, and as a church, we are praying for really hard, and we are working really hard for, and we are planning really hard for more people to come to Jesus and be part of this church, like a lot more. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, that probably means that as time goes on, we're going to have more services eventually. That means we're always probably going to need about 50% of the adults in this church to serve in Antioch kids. Like, that's not going away. Parking won't always be easy. You won't always be able to show up 10 minutes after church starts and find the seat that you want. It means that things will consistently be moving around here, shifting around here, and that's scary for some of you. That's scary for some of you because in church, sometimes for some of you, when we start talking about more people, more people sounds like getting big, and getting big is bad because I like it the way it is. 
But I want to encourage us this morning to not get distracted by, by small language. Uh, small language and, and ideas like big church and small church and this church and that church. Have you ever noticed that when we talk about church, we can sound like a Dr. Seuss book sometimes with our preferences and opinions? There are about a million people in our city. There are hundreds of thousands of them who don't know Jesus and are not connected to his church. And we are not here to be a big church or a small church or this church or that church. We are here to be faithful. We are here to be faithful. We are here to believe that God doesn't just love me. He doesn't just love you, but he loves the people in your life and he loves the people in this city. And honestly, if it takes me being okay with things moving around and shifting around and all of these sorts of things to help people know Jesus, I'm just gonna sign up for that. Amen? And that leads us to our last core value is living a life on mission. Living a life on mission. Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew, freely you have received, now freely give. Freely you have received, now freely give. Jesus doesn't just want to give his kingdom to you. He wants to bring his kingdom through you. I want to encourage you with two practical ways that you can be living on mission in your life every week. Number one, be where you are. Be where you are. We have a weird saying around here, wherever you are, there you are. Be where you are. We can talk about living life on mission and we automatically go to like missionaries who move overseas, right? And it's like, well, I'm not one of those people so I can't live my life on mission. But I wanna tell you that living on mission doesn't mean moving to another country necessarily. It means that you just simply believe that God has you where you are for a reason. That's the first step of living a life on mission is believing God, I might not be where I wanna be, things might not be going the way I want them to go, but I believe that if you have me somewhere, I'm there for a reason. Be present with your family. Be present with your friends. Be present with your coworkers. Be present in the moments of your day with different people, with the servers that you eat lunch with. Be present and be listening to the Holy Spirit. And just believe, be, just, I know this is wild. Like go off the deep end, just believing that God might actually be with you that he might really actually love you, that he might really actually love the people that you're talking to, the kids in your family, the people, the person you're married to. You know what I'm saying? Like, God actually wants to move exactly where you are in your life, and if you'll just keep your ear tuned to the Holy Spirit, he will steer you and guide you along the way. You don't have to go somewhere else and do something else. Be where you are, and God is ready to move. And the second very practical thing is be five minutes early. Be five minutes early. Don't be, just be five minutes early to life group, to Sunday mornings, to worship nights. This is an easy one. Like if you're going to come to a church thing anyways, just be five minutes early. Not 30 minutes, just five minutes. What I'm saying is that there are people every week in our church who are new to our church, just like you were new to our church one time. There are people every week in our church who have never been to church in their lives, just like at some point in your life you had never been to church before. There are people every week in our church who have never been to life group, who have never checked their kids in at Antioch Kids, who have never done all of this stuff just like you had never done those things one time. Do you remember that one time? And there are people in our church every week who want to know more about God, who are interested about being part of a community of people who are trying to follow Jesus. And my question to us, my challenge to us, my reminder to us this morning is that when they get here, will you be here? Will you be here? Will you be here when they get here? It's time to take the gloves off our church. And it's not, it doesn't take all the crazy things. It just takes us doing the basic things. Amen?
And we got to take the gloves off our church so that we might grow up in every way into him who is the head. That's Jesus. You're a part of this church because God is growing you up. God is growing us up into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's you and that's me, joined and held together in every joint with which it is equipped, that's you and me. When each part is working properly together, that's you and me, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's you and that's me. That's who we're called to be. That's what this is all about. I want you to stand up as we close together this morning. We're gonna worship. We're gonna have our prayer team come on up like we always do because we wanna be a people always who not just hear a word from God, but we respond to the word of God. And this is again, this morning probably wasn't anything new for a whole lot of you. Maybe there was elements of that that were new, but this is just a reminder for us that we can't just continue on in 2020 doing things by routine and all of that. We've got to be who people, who God has called us to be. See, you started following Jesus because at some point along the way, you realized that this gospel is for you. Salvation was for you. The promises of God are for you. The love of God is for you. The power of God is for you. Now, church, I want to pray for us this morning that as we finish up March 8th, that as we step into the rest of 2020 and the rest of this decade, I pray that our hearts might be open to realize that if this gospel is for you, then it has to be for everyone around you. It can't be one or the other. It has to be both. If you have anything in your life that you need prayer for, just come on up and have somebody pray with you. You might just need to pray this morning and let God affirm one of these values to take your next step in in your life. And you might just have a moment with Jesus right now where you say, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna let myself be reminded. I'm in. I'm in for you. And I'm in for the people around me. Jesus, we love you and we welcome you into this church. Lord, this is about you. I pray this morning as we worship, we would be reminded of who you are. We would be reminded of the things that you have done for us. And I pray, God, that like your word says, that we would let your heart touch us, that that your love would consume us, that your love would actually control us, that we would love you, that we would love one another, and we would love the people in our lives who are far from you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the people in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. And we surrender again. We consider ourselves reminded this morning again that this is all for you. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. We want to thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website, www.antiochindy.com. Oh, <laughs>